Good morning and welcome. Whether you're a regular attendee or this is your first time here, we want to welcome you and tell you we appreciate you coming and worshiping with us this morning here at the Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church. We trust that you will feel at home, that your heart, your soul, and spirit will be lifted as the Lord ministers to you. In Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4, David encourages us to serve the Lord. He encourages us to praise the Lord. In verse 1, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be on, will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. As we open the service in prayer, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me as we come before the Lord this morning. Lord, may, you be able, may we be able to say along with David that we extol you at all times, that your praise is continually on our lips. As we come into your house, our hearts are filled with praise and thanksgiving. First, we praise you because you are the creator and sustainer of everything. You are the God of love, of patience, kindness, goodness, holiness, and righteousness. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, and present everywhere. Therefore, we praise you for who you are and not because of the mighty deeds that you do. However, we thank you that you provide for our needs and beyond. We thank you that you created the world, also the the galaxies beyond, and that we get to see your beauty within your creation, and we get to enjoy it. We thank you that you are a God of grace, a God of grace in that you give us what we don't deserve. You give us your kindness, your patience, and forgiveness. We thank you that you are God of mercy and that you don't give us what we do deserve according to our sinfulness, which is your wrath. And most of all, we thank you that you did not spare your son, that he came to this world. He stepped into our place. He took the death sentence and the consequences for our sin. And we are humbled because you gave us your best and you paid the supreme price to reconcile us back to yourself. Help us never to forget that. And may that be on our minds all the time. This morning as we worship you, May we see you in all your power and glory, and may you be glorified in our midst this morning, for we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. Good morning. We'll ask that you join us and turn to number 551 in the hymnal. 551. I will sing the wondrous story. And if you can, please stand, and we'll sing together the first four verses.
That's wonderful singing. The next song is in your bulletins, All Heaven Declares. And you, you can be sit, seated for this. Let's take our hymnals again. Number 586. I know not why God's wondrous grace. 586.
Thank you, ladies, for leading, on that, leading us in that time of worship through song. We are always encouraged as we sing the praises of our Lord. I'll ask that you take your bulletins with me and turn to the announcements found on page two. This week at the Winkler Burktaller Church on Tuesday, women's prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. at 7 p.m. We have our council meeting. Wednesday, 2 p.m., Bible study on Revelation, and that will be in the sanctuary here. Pastor Victor will be leading that, and we encourage you to come out and um, make your way here so that you can um, be freshed in God's word. Uh, Persons with health needs, we can remember um, Betty Reimer. She is in the hospital here. And also Jake Fraze, um, he has uh, broke his ankle, and um, we can remember him in prayer also. Sunday school prayer requests. As of now, we have no Sunday school superintendent nor teachers. Please make it the matter of prayer as we would like to continue this important ministry for the children in our congregation. So we encourage you. However, next week, men's um, Sunday school will be starting. And um, it'll uh, start 15 minutes right after the service. And we'd ask you to head over to the music room. That's next Sunday. Sunday school for the men will be starting. We have our missionaries of the week, Preston and Myron Wheeler. And then expressions of sympathy. Brian Dirksen passed away Sunday, September the 12th at Riverview Health Center. He was the brother to Eileen and Dave Dick and a brother-in-law to Ike and Agatha Dick. So remember the family in prayer. And then, of course, Special Needs Sunday School will begin um, today at 10.30 in room 127. So um, make your way there. Wednesday, Bible study. Um, as already mentioned, um, Pastor Victor will be leading that at 2 p.m. And then Susan Clausen is on holidays um, this week. So Carrie Martins and Wendy Weeb will be filling in for her. Then, of course, a quarterly membership meeting. We have a quarterly membership meeting on Monday, September the 27th at 7 p.m. Among the items on the agenda is both myself and Pastor Victor's terms are up for renewal and votes will be held. I'd ask that you take um, the yellow sheet found in your bulletins entitled Serving God and Serving God's People as a Deacon. Of course, this is the time of year that we are seeking deacons, and um, we want to do some nominations. On page, actually, three of the bulletin, it says, Who may be nominated? Active members of Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church may submit nominations. Who may be nominated? It's the same answer. Active members of Winkler Burktaller Mennonite Church may be nominated. And how many may be nominated? Each member may nominate six members. And then, of course, um, uh, what is the process? September the 19th, um, deacon elections process announced, which is today. 
October the 3rd, nomination Sunday, and deadline for accepting the nominations. Those unable to attend the October 3rd worship service may bring their ballot to the church office prior to October the 3rd. Two weeks before the November membership meeting, candidates will be announced in the bulletin and then deacons' elections at the quarterly November meeting and a two-third majority is required to be elected as a deacon. Those elected will begin their term on January 1st, 2022. So we would ask you to be in prayer and praying about this. This is important to our church. Pray that the Lord will prompt those who he wants in those positions and that they would let their names stand when they are nominated. Then, on page three of the announcements, Enchilada Dinner Fundraiser. And we just want to highlight this. The family of John Lepke is having a fundraiser for a grad for John's wheelchair van. They are needing people to cook the beans and rice. If you can help in this way, contact John Lepke. Um, the phone number is in the bulletin, um, Three. Eight four six six zero zero. So we encourage you, if you can help in this way, um, we ask that you would give a phone call. And um, transportation, uh, would you like to have a ride to and from our Sunday morning worship service? We are here to help. Um, just give the church a call if you need a ride, and we will do our best in order to uh, facilitate that ride. And then also, we also need some more people who would help in regards to um, picking up people. And if you are able to do that, we'd ask you also to give a phone call. You can contact Bear, Bill Fair at 362-5655. And then once more, Nominations Committee. We got a lot of announcements and we're just about through is looking for one person to serve on the finance committee and one to serve on the mission committee. Perhaps you are that person that God is speaking to and we encourage you to step forward and to participate. And remember that every time we serve, God has a special blessings for others, but he has also a special, special blessings for us as we serve. At this time, I'm going to call the ushers um, forward. Sorry, <laughs> I won't do that quite yet. Uh, in, in one moment, we're going to have we're, we're going to go to prayer, and um, so I'm going to ask that you be in prayer with me as we come before the Lord. Pray for some of these needs that have been mentioned in the bulletin, and also other needs. So um, bow your hearts in prayer with me. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we pause before you to give you praise and glory. Once more, we are in your house. We come to worship you. And we are so thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to be in your house. I pray, Father, that as we come before you, that our hearts would always be in tune with you. That we would be remembering the prayer requests of the church and beyond the prayer requests of the community and our, our, our nation. Heavenly Father, we realize that once again, Canada, Canada is going into a federal election. There are a number of parties that will be represented. 
We pray, Father, that you'd have your hand upon those candidates that are running. We pray, Father, too, that you would help us make that decision. Help us to choose those who um, are going to serve you to the best of their capabilities. Um, We realize, Lord, that we are called to pray for our leaders, whether they know you or whether they don't. And we know that you can work through anyone who you decide. We pray that your will would always be done within our nation. We pray that you would always be lifted up. And we pray, Father, that um, you would choose the right government as you um, direct our hearts to vote for those individuals. I pray, Father, that we would vote for candidates who uphold your statutes and who want to follow you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to have your hand upon our church. We thank you for people who may be sick at this time. We think of Betty Reimer, who's in the hospital. Lord, as she suffers, I pray that your hand would be upon her, that you would touch her with your grace and strength, that you would uplift her at this time. May she feel your presence. And I pray, Father, that she would be nurtured in your word as she reads the scriptures, as others give her a phone call or pay a visit. We pray, Father, that your hand would be upon her. We pray for healing of her body, that you would touch her at this time. Use the doctors and use the nurses and the staff. Thank you for the hospitals that you have given us. We pray for Jake Fraze at this time. Thank you, Lord, that um, your hand was upon him. And although he did um, break his ankle, Lord, um, he, he didn't do any more damage or there was no other damage done to his body. We pray now, Lord, that you would strengthen him, uplift him at this time as he is home. He would love to be here and to be able to serve communion because he is one of the, uh, the deacons. But I pray, Father, that you would minister May he feel your presence at this time. Heavenly Father, we just pray for our Sunday school department. Lord, yes, there's always prayer requests in regards to praying for our Sunday school. And right now at this time, we need a Sunday school superintendent and we need some teachers. We ask, Lord, that you would prompt the hearts of those who would come forward. Lord, so that um, we can have teachers who would instruct the young. So, Lord, we give this into your hands. May you draw the people you want to be here. Lord, we realize that as we grow older, there are many who um, pass on to go to be with you. And, Lord, we rejoice with that. And yet, Lord, we pray for those who are left behind. We pray for the family of Brian Dirksen. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon each of those who were close to him, that you would minister to them. We rejoice that he is with you. We ask, Lord, that um, your hand of comfort would not be removed from those who are sorrowing at this time. Then, Heavenly Father, too, we thank you for um, Susan as she is our church administrator, secretary. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon her as she is going to be going on holidays for this next week. Lord, may you encourage her and may she come back refreshed. In the meantime, we pray that Carrie Martins and Wendy Weeb, um, as they fill um, her place, we pray, Lord, your hand would be upon them and that um, each one of them would be able to do the job that is required. I pray, Father, too, um, for our quarterly membership meeting. 
that is coming up. I ask you, Lord, that you would have your hand upon each of the people who come out. And yes, there will be other business also to do. So we pray, Father, that each person who is able, um, who is a member, that they would come and they would participate. And then once again, we thank you for uh, John Nepke. We thank you, Lord, that he is part of our congregation. We thank you, Lord, that um, he has a van and that he can move around and get to the places where he needs to go. And now he needs a garage for that so that the van will operate smoothly even in the wintertime. We ask, Lord, that the funds that would raise, that it would be sufficient to meet the need in building that garage. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for letting us come into your house to worship you. So we praise you, we exalt you today, and as we take communion, we ask, Lord, your hand to be present here. May we sense your presence, may we worship and adore you, for you are the one who paid the price. You gave of your life so sacrificially, and for this we worship, appraise you, and adore you. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You'll remember that last week uh, we had a report from our VBS committee about the VBS uh, program that took place. And we were going to show the video clip, but we didn't have it. So here it is. chance, uh, say thank you to somebody who was involved and maybe consider being involved next year. So I'll read scripture. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. 
This is the ESV translation. Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbors shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each one can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Well, it's good to be here this morning. And it's good to see so many of you here, eager to participate in the Lord's Supper. This morning's scripture reading, as you know now, is a description of the Passover. It was a commemoration of God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. God's instruction was that Israel observe the Passover every year as a statute forever. We observe the Lord's Supper because Jesus instructed us to do this in remembrance of me, he said. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper when he and the twelve disciples were gathered for the Passover, the evening before he was crucified. And... Do you remember what the Passover is about? It was in that passage that we read. Passover was a meal that God instituted as a commemoration of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Israel had settled in Egypt when Jacob brought his family family there at the invitation of Joseph. And Joseph, as you recall, was sold into slavery by his brothers. 
And he ended up in Egypt working for a man named Potiphar as a slave. Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph, and he ended up in prison. And then through the work of God, Joseph was released from prison, rose to prominence under, under the Pharaoh of Egypt. In fact, Joseph was so trusted that he was second in command only to Pharaoh. And as Psalm 105 puts it, The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. That's a lot of faith to put in a man who isn't from your countrymen. Because of his prominent position, Joseph, with Pharaoh's approval, invited his father's family to Egypt, and they were given a home there. But that happy arrangement didn't last. Exodus 1 records this. Now there arose a king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Well, according to Exodus 12:40, Israel was in Egypt for 430 years. And for 400 of those years, they were afflicted. But the Lord had not forgotten his people. In Exodus chapter 2, we read that the people of Israel groaned because of their their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God called Moses out of the land of Midian, where he had fled after he killed an Egyptian. God met him at the burning bush and called him to lead his people. Then there came the confrontations with Pharaoh and the ten plagues. And at the end of that, when Pharaoh finally relented and let Israel go, God instituted the Passover. And here's what the Israelites were to do. The tenth month, sorry, the tenth day of the first month, they were to take a lamb without blemish and keep it till the fourteenth day. On the fourteenth day, it was to be slaughtered and its blood applied to the doorposts, and it was to be roasted over fire and eaten. None of its bones were to be broken, and whatever was not eaten was to be burned. They were to eat the Passover lamb, like Exodus 12:11 says, with your belt fastened, your fan- sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Well, that night, after 400 years of hard labor, 
Israel would finally leave Egypt. They left not just with the shirts on their backs. God made the Egyptians favorably disposed to the Israelites, and the Israelites plundered them. They left with gold and silver, with all their flocks and herds, and with all the people of Israel. However, that deliverance was not yet complete. Pharaoh's heart hardened one more time, and he pursued the Israelites after he let them go. And the Egyptian army caught up with them at the Red Sea and trapped them. So God parted the Red Sea, delivered delivered Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground, and when Pharaoh's army pursued, God destroyed them as the waters of the Red Sea returned to their place. This was the completion of Israel's deliverance from slavery and bondage in Egypt. So why did Jesus choose to inaugurate the Lord's Supper at the annual celebration of the Passover? Could it be that the Lord's Supper is also a celebration of deliverance? It is, isn't it? And could it be that there are parallels between the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and the crucifixion of Jesus? I have found a few. I'm sure there are others but I'll share a few with you. Here's one. As we already said, it was on the 10th day that the lamb was brought into the home to be kept until the 14th day when it would be slaughtered. John 12.1 says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. John 12.12 speaks about the next day as the day when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so we see a parallel here. It was five days that the lamb was to be kept before it was slaughtered, and it was five days that Jesus was in Jerusalem before he gave his life. The Passover foreshadowed the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. A second parallel. The blood of the Passover lamb was to be applied to the doorframe of each home. And why was that? Well, because the last of the ten plagues in Egypt had not yet happened when this instruction was given. It was the plague of the death of the firstborn in all of Egypt. And at midnight, on the tenth day, the Lord... uh, Sorry, no, not the the tenth plague. At midnight, on the day of the tenth plague, which was the fourteenth day of the month, the Lord struck dead all the firstborn in Egypt, whether man or beast. But at the homes where the blood was applied to the doorframes, the Lord passed over and spared the lives of the firstborn. As the blood of the Passover lamb saved the firstborn of Israel, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, saves those who come under his blood. And what does that mean? It means that those who receive Jesus and trust that his death, the shedding of his blood, is sufficient to cover our sins. Those who believe that, their lives will be spared and they will be saved. But it does leave us with a question. If the blood of the Passover lamb was applied to save the firstborn in Israel, how can we ensure there is a parallel here for those who believe? Well, listen to how Hebrews 12 identifies believers. 
This is fascinating. He says, But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. I understand this to say that all of us who believe are identified as the assembly of the firstborn. If the blood of the Passover lamb was to protect the firstborn, then the analogy is complete, because all who believe are firstborn and saved by the blood of the lamb. As Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. The third parallel. In being delivered out of Egypt, the Hebrews were no longer slaves. They were no longer in bondage to their Egyptian masters. Israel, having trusted God and, f- and followed him, had a new master. And they were no longer enslaved to Egypt, but were delivered to freedom under God. Similarly, those who trust Jesus and follow him are delivered from their bondage to sin and are delivered to freedom in Christ. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 say this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Or as Jesus read in the synagogue from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. We are no longer captives and we are no longer oppressed. We are now children of God, not slaves to sin. And there's a fourth parallel that has to do with the flesh and the blood. In the Passover, the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorframe. The lamb was to be completely consumed by eating and then burning what remained. So here, the flesh was eaten, but not the blood. And why is that? There was a law about eating blood. In Genesis 9, after the flood, God gave every moving thing that lives as food for mankind. But with that, God said this, You shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And that law was later on expanded in Leviticus 17, which tells us, If any of the house of Israel eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. Then he gave the reason for that. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you, On the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So the blood in which is life makes atonement for the soul that is worthy of death. Life was sacrificed that we might live. The blood had a purpose. And that purpose was to make atonement. But when we get to the Lord's Supper... What does Jesus say? 
He commands that they eat his body and drink his blood. Jesus spoke about this well before the Passover in John chapter 6. He said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. To the Jew, this idea was abhorrent. They never drank blood. What Jesus was doing is giving us a picture of spiritual truth. Eating his physical flesh and drinking his blood is not what Jesus meant. Now maybe I'm trying to connect two things that are not intended to be together, but it's hard to ignore the fact that in John's Gospel, Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then later at the Last Supper, he instructs his disciples to accept the bread as his body and the cup as his blood. But what does make sense to me is that Jesus' instruction to eat his flesh and drink his blood is that we receive all of him. That he is all-consumed, like the Passover lamb. It was all-consumed. You cannot have what you like about Jesus and reject the rest. With Jesus, it's all or nothing. When we distribute the bread, we say, His body broken for you, understanding that He took the punishment for our sin. And when we distribute the cup, we say, His blood shed for you, understanding that His blood covers or washes away our sin. Both of these are needed to be reconciled to the Father the punishment of the sin and the cleansing of the sinner. So perhaps the parallel here is that just as the Passover lamb was completely consumed, we receive all of Christ when we partake of the bread and the cup. And what does all this tell us? It tells us that God had it in mind long ago to give us a picture in the Old Testament of what he was doing through his Son in the New Testament. Nothing that Jesus did in the New Testament is unrelated to the work of the Father in the Old Testament. Both the Passover and the Lord's Supper are celebrations of deliverance. And it seems fitting that Jesus would use the celebration of Passover, which foreshadowed his sacrifice in reconciling us to the Father. Brothers and sisters, We are saved by the blood of the Lamb who came willingly to sacrifice himself. We are no longer captive to sin and oppression. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. We are reconciled through his death 
and our salvation is secured through his resurrection. We are free, we are forgiven, and we are at peace with the creator and the judge of all souls, and our future is undeniably secure. Therefore, it is with confidence and great joy that we proclaim his death until he comes. For we know that he will return to take us home. Would you pray with me? Father, it is with humble and grateful hearts that we say thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for your great salvation. And thank you, Father, that you love us, your children. Would you bless us as we participate in the Lord's Supper together? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to the table. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, writes these instructions to the Corinthian believers on how they are to partake of the Lord's Supper. Starting at verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, We are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Close quote. When the Christian partakes of the Lord's Supper, they are not only to remember the past and the horrible death that Christ died to pardon us, but they they also need to realize that Christ's power gives us the strength and he is sufficient to help us live a pure and a holy life and a joyful life until we meet him face to face one day. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, think back to what your life was like before you had met the Master. What was your life like back then? May you also realize that his power is sufficient to sustain you through your deepest trials and give you victory each day that you walk with him. You do not need to be a member of our church to receive communion. We only have two requirements. First, that you are a born-again believer, having repented of your sins, and you are, are walking in fellowship with Christ. 
Second, as far as it depends upon you, you are walking in fellowship with your brother. The Apostle Paul says a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. So we're going to take a moment to bow our heads and bring anything before the Lord that needs to be brought before him. Remember, as this is between you and the Lord, and um, when he pardons you, you are pardoned. But let's take that moment to examine ourselves before the Lord. Let's bow our heads in silent prayer. Heavenly Father, we realize that none of us are perfect. That's why you died, sent your Son to die in our place. It is also the reason why we need to depend upon you as we walk with you. We are finite creatures, limited. We need you each and every day. I pray, Father, that now as we have confessed our sins to you, that our hearts are cleansed. We pray now, Lord, that you would go with us through the service. I pray, Father, that as we participate in the broken body of Christ and in the fellowship of the blood that was shed, Lord, that it would be a remembrance to us we have been bought with a price. Therefore, we will honor and glorify our lives accordingly. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. At the time, I'm working on some things with a fellow brother, uh, so I will refrain from taking the elements um, this morning. Just a few instructions as we proceed. I'm going to say a few words about the bread. We'll have the distribution of the bread. And uh, so you all know, all the bread is gluten-free. So participate, please. And uh, then I will have a prayer of thanksgiving, and then we will eat the bread together. Luke 22:19 reads... And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we read these words, and as we eat this bread, we are reminded of a couple of things. The broken bread represents the body of Jesus his own physical body in which he absorbed the consequences of our sin and the sins of the whole world. This is the act of forgiveness that puts us in fellowship with God, reconciles us to him, not just now but for eternity. The bread symbolizes the forgiveness of sin. 
And two, the bread represents the person of Jesus. When he said, I am the bread of life, it is obvious that he is not referring to his physical body, but to his person. Jesus was raised from the dead and has conquered death. Therefore, our life is in him, and we are to feed on him, because in him is life. The bread symbolizes life, eternal life in Christ. Therefore, as we eat this bread and partake of the body of Jesus, let's remember that through his death we have forgiveness of sin and therefore peace with God, and through his person we have eternal life. We'll have the distribution of the bread. on page six in your bulletin.
Has anyone been missed in the distribution of the bread? Please raise your hand. about to pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful, eternally grateful, for the shed blood of Jesus, for his body broken for us, for our salvation. Thank you, Father, for this bread as a reminder of the broken body that made us reconciled to you. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. When Christ came and he gave himself He poured out his blood. He gave his life on our behalf. And when he did that, it was sufficient. He paid the ultimate price. When you study church history, you will find that the Reformers, many of them took communion each and every day. And I I would think to myself, well, why so often? They just believed that they wanted to walk in fellowship with the Lord so closely that when they took communion, they were drawn closer to the Lord. Communion itself does not save us. It's symbolic. The bread, symbolic of the body that was broken for us. That's Jesus' body. The blood that was shed, which gave him life. It was taken. And the interesting part about this is when the blood was sprinkled at the sacrifice in the Old Testament, when they, when they would sacrifice the animals, it considered cleansing the people. And forgiveness was given at that time. So when Christ came, he shed his blood, and we, in turn, are sprinkled with his blood when we make that decision to follow him, when we make that decision to repent of our sins, to go a 180-degree turn and walk the other, uh, the other way with the Lord's strength because it's impossible to do it without him. 
The juice and the wine represent the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. As as the deacons are about to pass out the cup, the outer two rings are wine and the inner ones are juice. So remember that. The outer two that are passed, or as the cups are passed out, the outer two rings are wine and the inner ones are juice. As we receive it, we'd ask you to please hold the cup until everyone has received it so that it can be taken together in unity. At this time, I'll ask the deacons to come. Death and rest. 
Has anyone been missed? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again we pause before you. The cup represents the blood of your Son that was shed on our behalf. How we thank you that you poured out on the cross all so freely. And with this, you pardoned our sins. In the same way, you ask us also to pardon others. Lord, may we not only be receivers, but may we be channels. And thank you, Lord, once again for the blood that was shed. Lord, we give you thanks for all of this. Amen. Take of the cup and remember Christ paying our sins. After the service, I would encourage you not to hurry away. Uh, We're under no pressure to evacuate the sanctuary, so take some time to say hello to your neighbor and visit a little bit. After the closing prayer and benediction, uh, the ladies will uh, lead us in a final song. So would you uh, please bow with me in prayer? Thank you, Father, for inviting us to the table of fellowship, where we with one another proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are encouraged, we are strengthened, and we are profoundly blessed. Thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sin, for the fellowship of the saints, and for the eternal life we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallowed be your name. And now this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Turn in your hymnal to number 532. 532, to God be the glory. And let's stand for this.
Go in peace.